Hi, I'm Ben Cody, and this is Coffee Talk. Hello, and welcome again to the official podcast of the Guitar Department at Berklee College of Music. My name's Ian, and we have another episode of Coffee Talk for you. We've got Ben Cody with us this week. Ben is our department coordinator here in the guitar department, and he's also an acclaimed rock guitarist and frontman of the Ben Cody Band. Ben's released several albums with his band and has played all over New England. And though concerts aren't exactly happening right now, you can catch him on Instagram Live pretty often. If you haven't already, you should go absolutely follow him right now. And as always, follow us as well. A lot of this content will also be available on YouTube, and we have a ton of other great content on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so give us a like and a subscribe on whatever platform you use. Here's our interview with Ben Cody. Welcome to another Coffee Talk. I'm Kim Perlack, Chair of the Guitar Department. And we're here, as usual, with Cheryl Bailey, Assistant Chair. Hello, everybody. And Ian Steed, our Senior Coordinator. Coffee cheers. And our special guest today is our coordinator, Ben Cody, who is an alum of the Berkeley Guitar Department. Hey, Ben. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> it's good to see you. So, Ben, you're our first alum I'm that honored. we're interviewing. I'm honored. This is so great. So to kick us off, um, what are you drinking? Do you drink coffee, Ben? What are you drinking? Not really. Uh, actually, I don't have anything with me uh, this morning. Usually, I like just water, stay hydrated in the morning. I'm not really a huge coffee drinker, but depends how tired I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really a connoisseur, but uh, yeah. That's great. That's great. Do you drink water throughout the day? Yeah, I, I try to stay hydrated. I mean, I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, try, I try to be healthy about it. Mm -hmm. I, I do like my soda sometimes, though, so. <laughs> is that something you did over the years because of the playing that you're doing? Like, did you find that it was necessary when you were playing shows or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, with my band, we've always, uh, you know, played, you know, three or four hour shows um, just because when you're the only band on the bill, you get to take home more money. So. You know, we'd we'd have you know longer sets, so you gotta gotta stay hydrated and gotta be be ready to play for a long time. So, did you learn that by bad experience, or did did someone give you good advice? Like, did you dehydrate uh, was, while playing at, at any time? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it kind of over the years developed because I kind of slowly over the years became the lead singer in my band as well. Um, so it was kind of from learning. Uh, Learning from watching others and then from kind of having to take over. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's better to uh, to be ready to play and, and not have anything else to worry about other than music. So, you know, it's really funny because we started because we're called Coffee Talk, and this whole thing was born out of that idea that you know we at least the four of us and and other faculty friends and guests and stuff would hang out by the coffee machine in the office so we just thought well we'll naturally talk about coffee and then it really turns out that everybody's routines with coffee or um, what they drink every day says a little bit of something about their musical personality or the practicality and for you it's really practicality like you realize that you have to take care of yourself 
to be a rock player, to be a oh. professional rock musician. And especially with the venues that my band plays at, you know, we started out playing in dive bars around New England. So a lot of them, you know, will offer you, you know, you get, you get free beer all night as well as uh, getting paid. But, you know, when, when uh, you have a few beers in you, you know, it's uh, your voice goes, <laughs> you know, and it's like, you don't play as well. So it's a matter of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a musician before I'm, I'm a rocker. So it's uh, a matter yeah. of being professional. Cheryl, right off the bat, that's like defying a stereotype, you know, that people have. People have this idea of what it is to be a rock player. And this is um, more the rock reality, right? Yeah, I mean, you hear all the stories, you know, of all the, you know, the, the rock icons, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s that, you know, we're messing around with, with a lot of stuff that uh, I think, you know, my generation kind of witnessed the a lot of the uh, kind of crashing and burning of a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, I don't want to have to experience the negative parts of, of uh, the, the genre. So it's just a matter of, uh, you know, it's always been about the music for me, not, not anything other than that. And part of part of preparing for that is taking care of yourself physically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But my band kind of has more of like an athletic uh, approach to a, <laughs> to an art, I guess, when it comes to that. Because especially, I mean, we, we've played some gigs, uh, you know, I mean, pre-COVID, um, you know, we, we'd always have a couple shows. We play at Six Flags, New England, down in uh, Agawam. And we'd get there, uh, you know, we'd start playing at noon. And then we'd have like three breaks, but we'd play from noon to eight at night. Mm -hmm. And the way that would work, uh, it just whatever weekend we'd have open, you know, to, to book there would always end up being like the hottest weekend of the summer. So uh, it, it's it's uh, it's like a marathon, you know, when, when you play shows like that, um, and uh, you gotta you gotta make sure to really take care of your body to make sure you can still perform at a, at a high level. Well, I think that's, I mean, talking about that with a myth. I mean, just with any style of musicians, people outside of our world have lots of myths and fantasies about what it's like to do shows like that, long shows, or be on the road, and the, and the reality, and, and playing an instrument is an athletic event in many ways. Just the playing of the instrument to keep your body healthy, posture, and, and, and being hydrated, and having a clear head, right? So you don't wanna be drinking, or, but also you're traveling, and you gotta, sometimes I feel just getting to the gig is an athletic event if you're carrying all your gear and it, and if it, with a band everybody's helping each other out with amps and drums and stuff like that so and, and then you have to play a whole show like that like that's a long show um and then drive home right so you got to take care of yourself for that well the way i think of it is i'm a professional roadie you know i'm getting paid to move all the amps and drums and then getting to play is just a bonus <laughs> Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so Ben, there's a lot there that we're going to come back to. Um, but one question we always ask in the very beginning is um, to talk about your first days at Berkeley. And you've had a couple different first days, at least two that I know of, but maybe more, because I know you were a student, then you're the coordinator of the guitar department. And you may have had some summer experiences too. So can you talk about like, 
what one of your first days was like, like what you remember. Sure. Um, well, I guess, well, I guess you can cut this out if it's too long of a story, but um, my first day as a student, I'll, I'll give a little backstory because that's kind of a big part of it. But um, I guess I'll talk about my audition first, because when I auditioned to get into Berkeley, I, uh, I grew up, you know, being, being a rock musician, I was, uh, you know, learning a lot from playing in bands because I started playing guitar at 14 and then I started gigging kind of you know, semi-professionally when I was 15. I, I got a band going and then we'd play wherever would let us, which really wasn't too many places because, you know, the closer you get into to Boston, you know, the more strict places are if they serve alcohol or something. They don't want anyone underage. Um, but, you know, I was playing a lot. I mean, I, I took lessons and uh, but I, I really didn't put in the time I probably should have to read to learn how to read music well um you know you know my, my teenage years so when it came time to uh, audition for berkeley i only applied to two colleges i applied to, to berkeley and then uh, musicians institute out in uh, hollywood and uh, i came in I, I played eruption by van halen from for my audition for berkeley and you know i couldn't read any of the music or anything but I, I at that point i developed a pretty good ear so um i had a good ear and i could uh i knew theory i just i unfortunately i didn't put the time in uh to actually be literate you know with music so um i ended up i applied for the early action with berkeley but uh, i didn't get in because of because of that um so i was kind of bummed out about it at the time and i, I don't remember the, the exact wording but it was, it was some sort of situation along the line where berkeley said well you didn't get into early action but if one of the students that we did accept decides not to then you can take their spot so it was kind of like waiting in limbo for that so um yeah i was kind of bummed out about that my mom kept telling me you know you're going to be like tom brady don't let it discourage you you know because you know tom brady you know he's the 199th traffic no one wanted him um and uh so i ended up getting into berkeley but at that point i was 18 and uh you know the, the lights of hollywood were kind of you know alluring to me so um I ended up deferring my acceptance for a year from berkeley and i went out to the musicians institute so i spent a semester out there and um and there's some, some great teachers there and uh you know la was you know it was a lot of fun i mean i love la is kind of my home away from home now but the school just was not was not a right fit for me so um i came back and uh i ended up spending a semester at a community college for the spring semester and then the following fall um you know started at berkeley and at that point i kind of had a little more world experience from having to move out because i mean i had no roots in California, I had no family there. So I was really 18 years old and completely on my own. But um, I came back to Berkeley and uh, it, it was it was kind of intimidating because I mean, Berkeley is, you know, it's the biggest music school in the world. You know, it's like, this is the elite. So, um, you know, I went in there and uh, it was uh, it was really intimidating. But, um, you know, I, I learned fast that uh, you might, you're never going to be the best player. So it's like, I'm not going to try to compete, you know, in that sense, but it's like, I'm, I'm going to work, I'm going to outwork everyone, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I went in and kind of had to have that kind of underdog mentality and, um, you know, here I am. <laughs> That's great. Um, and then you came back a couple times as you had launched your career with your band after you graduated you came back to work with us and um what was that like how did that feel when you came back 
it, it was great. It was, I mean, the first time I came back was uh, after, right after I graduated, I taught uh, the summer guitar sessions mm -hmm. uh, in 2018. That's right. And that, that was, that was scary for me because I didn't sleep at all the night before, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the first day of teaching. Cause I'm thinking, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough to be, <laughs> to be teaching this. And like, and um, it, it was, it was funny because, uh, well, well, first, um, when, when I first got the gig to do that, that, that was my, my injury summer because I, I used to always try to, you know, I was playing like all these Van Halen, Randy Rhodes licks, but I was trying to look like Slash. So I, I wore my guitar really low. And when, you, when you're playing licks like that, I mean, you're physically, it's putting a lot of tension on, on your wrist. And it got to the point where I actually developed a cyst on it because of all the, the tension. And then it got to the point where not only was it painful, but um, it was physically pressing against one of the tendons, so I couldn't actually move. So my band had a lot of gigs that summer, and all I could really do was like pentatonic, like blues licks because I couldn't do, I couldn't stretch behind above uh, two frets, and I ended up having they had to remove it, and um, I was going to like physical therapy and everything for. It. And this is all like leading up to that summer guitar sessions. I'm like, you know, I, I got to make sure like <laughs> I'm in I'm in shape to to be ready for that. So I, I was able to you know, be back to normal by the time guitar sessions came on. But I was still really nervous about having to, you know, teach. And uh, the first day there I was wearing, I had a Poison shirt on, the band Poison. And there was uh, one of this one kid that was coming around the hall who looked at me and was like, <laughs> Poison. And it, was, it made some sort of snide comment. And, and then he walked in down the hall. I'm thinking, he's going to my room. Like, he's, he's, like just the way my luck is like he's going to be my, my one of my students and sure enough i walk in and then as soon as i sit down at the teacher's chair you see the, the look in his eyes just change like oh my god <laughs> he's my teacher i took him i said yeah i said you didn't know poison was going to be your teacher today and um but it, it went really well and uh you know it was a lot of fun and then i came back and i taught again at the 2019 summer guitar sessions and at that point i um you know i already knew what to, to expect you know as, as far as you know, kind of leading it and um they were great but uh the 2019 is when i came back to uh to assist with the um temporary coordinator position and uh that, that was that was really great because i had spent so much time struggling <laughs> i mean after graduation which i'm sure you know a lot of uh i mean college graduates in general not just musicians um you know, know that that feeling of kind of like all right you go from being, you know, senior in college and being, you know, top dog to now it's the real world. And, uh, you know, I was, I was working a lot. I was, um, I was lucky enough to be able to teach guitar lessons uh, at my old high school. We had a program set up that during the study hall, students could come in and take uh, private guitar lessons. Then in between those students, I was working shifts at a grocery store <laughs> in the produce department. Um, and then, you know, gigging as well. So it, it was a lot. Um, and then, uh, so as soon as you know, I got the call that you, know, that you needed some temporary work at Berkeley. I remember calling up my manager at, uh, <laughs> at the grocery store. I was like, I can't be in next week. You know, let's get this opportunity at Berkeley. And you know, my manager is a really good friend of mine. I've known him for years. And he's like, absolutely. He said, I'll find coverage for you. Go. He said, you know, so um, yeah. And uh, it was really, it was uh, kind of felt like coming home. You know, coming back to Berkeley was really, uh, really nice. You know, there's so many things in here um, to talk about that I think are really going to be important for the people listening. And so I want to touch on all of them. And um, because those of us here hanging out with you in this 
coffee hang or had some role to play in the fact that you came back at different times. And I think it's really interesting because I think it might be hard to know when you're young, like when you're a student, if you're listening to this, like what is it about what you're doing that makes an impression or that is kind of like a living application to do some of the things you wanna do? And what kind of opportunities are present in, in jobs that you might not have necessarily right away thought would be valuable to your career in the big balance of it? And so the first thing I wanna go back to is something you said about coming to Berkeley as a student and that at first you, you were told, you know, through admissions that relatively speaking, your skill set wasn't enough to get you right in the door right away. And then when you left and went to LA and then you came back and you worked on things and you kind of reset your expectations, you set up how you're going to improve, you set up your philosophy of how you're going to approach everything artistically and, and as a student, that process must have really helped you be prepared to teach guitar sessions because in a way it must have set up your ability to see maybe some of the issues and problems that students who are younger than you were having because you kind of had to manage and confront your own gaps in your knowledge and playing in a really practical way do you think that were there certain things where you felt like that experience made you more aware of problems students were having, made you a better teacher? Absolutely. Um, that's a really good point because, I mean, I, I can relate to, you know, I think a wide variety of students now because I was in, you know, different uh, situations. But even in my first semester, um, you know, coming in, like I said, I was really intimidated and I still uh, wasn't really comfortable. You know, I wasn't a strong, I mean, I wasn't a strong reader, never mind sight reader. And I ended up actually, it, it all kind of came to a head for me uh, my first semester because I withdrew from my ear training one class because um, I'd never heard of solfege before. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I'd never, you know, really had to, to sing before when it, when it comes to, you know, sight singing, uh, you know, with, with the solfege syllables, conducting and all that. And I remember I was seeing the teacher at extra help every week, you know, trying to and finally get to the point where I, I had the conversation with the teacher saying, you know, I can't keep up with, you know, where this is going to go. What, what should we do? So the teacher and I said, well, it might be best to withdraw. But the teacher said, still audit the class. So I did that. So I ended up withdrawing. I, I still went to class every week after that, even though I wasn't technically part of it. Um, and then after that, I got put in the second semester success program, which I guess if, if you, I'm not sure if it's still set up this way, but at the time it was if you, ended up withdrawing from one of the core music classes your first semester, you have to put in a special program. Um, and at that point, it was kind of like the, the gauntlet had been thrown. And so I'm like, all right, I'm like, I have a lot to prove now. And, and I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulders, like, all right, you know, this semester has not gone the way I wanted to. I'm still looking like I'm failing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I really put as much work as I possibly could in. And, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, graduating with a 3.98 GPA. I was a summa cum laude graduate. Uh, you know, I, I took advantage of every opportunity I could. Um, and, you know, and I, I commuted from home for half the time at Berkeley just, you know, just to save money. So, I mean, I was waking up at, you know, 5.30 in the morning to take the train in, you know, getting back at like 10.30 at night and still having to practice and study and all that. And it was just a matter of, um, you know, 
if I had to work like three times as hard as the person next to me to get still get an A, it's like then I'm going to do what I have to do to you know to get the the job done. Um, wow, they're that... taking advantage of every opportunity and and not really being discouraged by a certain situation. Just saying, all right, this this is the situation. This is what I need to do to get to the next the next level and just do it and not dwell on you know what what uh, what what the issues are <laughs> to get there. Yeah. That's really a powerful thing for people to hear, I think. And what I wonder is, is there a way that you could put your finger on even just one thing? There's probably just tons of things, but one thing that helps you do as a teacher, like how did that experience make you a better teacher? And how did it make you a better player? Uh, I think it's really about... Um... You know, like I said, recognizing what the challenge is and then figuring out the most logical way to overcome it. And it's different for every every student, it's different for every player, it's different for every every situation. And it's just a matter of, you know, looking at, all right, this is this is the challenge that I'm facing right or that someone's facing right now. And you know, th th this is what I want the outcome to be. What what is required to reach that outcome or at least you know, get get as close to uh, the outcome that could could result to you know a, another opportunity. And it's a matter of just recognizing you know what what you're working with and and what you can do with it. Um, so it's almost yeah. the same answer. That's how it helped you as a teacher, and that's how it helped you as a player. Yeah, and because I mean, when when I was teaching the guitar sessions, um, regardless, and I made it clear at the beginning of of the, the guitar sessions, you know, I said you know regardless of of the skill set that every student has in here, you know, the, the, for, for me, the way I was teaching, it was the uh, contemporary rock ensemble. So, you know, the way I'm teaching it is I want to have everyone have as much playing time as you can and, and have us sound as, as good as a unit as we can. And, you know, if that means, you know, maybe doing something that, uh, you know, might feel um, boring, probably isn't the best term, but might feel kind of simple, you know, it's better to do something simple you know, in, in a musical sense, but I guess, you know, in a real life sense too, it's, it's better to do something well than try to overreach and, and not do it well. <laughs> yeah. You know what I, I, that story you just told about your ear training situation you withdrew, but you kept coming back to the class. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Cause I, I, I've had this with a student and they were struggling and you get to that point and say, well, in terms of your grade or, or whatever, it, it's in your best interest to take a, a W, right? And, mm -hmm. and so, so many students would just see that as failure and give up. But, but it's actually giving you a, a chance, right? And you really took that chance all the way and showed up. You weren't getting credit for the class, but you showed up just to be there and be part of the process, and then and then you came back, and that made you better. And also, I, I was struck by the story. I didn't know that about your hand injury, oh. um, and and so that's that's an interesting thing because we do have a lot of students come and they're overuse injuries or they're doing something like that with their technique. I know I I'm sure we've all done that. I when I was a student, I doing something weird and it was actually causing me problems and then you have to rethink about oh I got to approach this differently I mean and you work through it I don't know you know in terms of 
physical therapy, if you did different things. I'm, sh I'm sure you did everything you could, but you didn't let that stop you either. So, but I think that puts you in a great place as an advisor when you have students that come in, that you see that situation, you can see it happening, and it's not, you know, it is, you have to rethink that. Like what you're doing, the path you're on is leading, your body's telling you this is not the right thing to do. So you need to listen to that and readjust what you're doing. Right, and I mean, I, I'm uh, always been, you know, driven by the, the whole, the show must go on, um, you know, because, you know, when I had that injury, like I said, my band still had a lot of gigs that summer. So, I mean, I, I would just wear a brace and then it kind of goes back to the, you know, here's the challenge. Here's what I'm working with. You know, what, what can I do to, to accomplish it? And like I said, I, I wasn't really doing a lot of flashy, fancy, you know, Van Halen, Randy Rhodes, George Lynch licks, you know, I had to stay mainly pentatonic because that's physically all I could reach, you know, I can only do like two notes per string and, you know, you just got to play the gigs. And then, and then uh, I think it was my fourth semester here. I, end, I ended up getting, I got mono, I got sick. Um, and uh, at first uh, the doctors just kept telling me it was the flu, you know, you're fine. Um, and I got it, it was during midterms week. So I had like 103 fever and uh, they, they, they thought it was mumps at one point. So they put me on antibiotics, which, you end up giving me all these hives and all that because I guess that's the reaction that antibiotics have in mono and all that. And um, but as soon as the, the doctors finally, after a while, said, "Oh, it, it's mono," you know, you're, you know, you're not contagious as long as you know, <laughs> as long as you don't like spit on anyone. Um, so I'm like, "All right." So I was I went I was able to ace all my midterms, <laughs> and then I still had like four gigs I had to play, and uh, there were like three hour shows. And at that point, it was like, "All right, like just let's not share a microphone, but let, let's do it." And uh, that was probably one of the worst weeks of my life, but um, you know, we, we got everything done. So didn't have to cancel any gigs. So, uh, yeah. Okay. That's probably I, an example that's a... of when to, to listen to your body when I didn't, <laughs> but. Well, yeah, but you know, you also were very clear professionally about what you had to get done no matter what. And then you had a good sense of yourself that you developed, like, I'm going to push it to the extreme but I know I can do this. I know I can get these responsibilities taken care of at school. I know I can get these gigs done. Here's what it takes physically. Here's where I'm at physically. It seems like you've, you at that point had, because of the work you've done, developed an assessment of yourself, like an awareness. Yeah. Like I said, that first semester, really, it all kind of came to a head with an ear training class. And after that, it was kind of like, I figured out the formula that worked for me. Of you know, assessing and, and you know how to work, and also I mean I had an advantage I think over a lot of other students um, coming into Berkeley was the fact that you know I grew up you know, here in Massachusetts, so I already had a band, you know, by the time I started Berkeley, and because when I got back from LA I started a new band, um, which eventually became you know, you know my band now the Ben Cody band, and um, you know we were gigging a lot you know that that spring and that summer before. Uh, before I started at Berkeley, so I, I didn't take that advantage for granted. It's like, well, while I was going to class, you know, I was also, you know, in the quote unquote real world, on, I'd, I'd be playing at least one or two shows a week, every week, you know, when I was a student here. Um, and and we'd also be signing up to, to play recitals. I'm curious if, if uh, the um, concert office keeps a record of the number of recitals, because I, 
I swear, if I didn't break the record, I probably came pretty close because I played a recital every single every single semester when they would send out the email for seniors. I'd sign up, and then I'd have my band members sign up too. So we'd we'd play multiple recitals. The so I've played every the only uh, venue I haven't played on campus is nine three nine, but um, yeah, I, I'm curious what, what the record is for number of recitals played uh, by a student. But yeah, I just cause I just wanted to play, and I think that's kind of why I was a pro music major instead of a performance because mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, I'm performing so much. I'm like, I want to be able to, to do everything. I want to be able to, to write my songs, produce them, you know, market them, uh, gig them. So that's why I went into pro music. And so that way I was taking songwriting classes. I was taking music business classes. I was taking marketing classes. I was taking all sorts of recording and production classes. I was trying to, I mean, this day and age, you got to be able to, to do some of everything with, with the way uh, the entertainment industry is. I want to add one layer in, and then I want to hear what you and Ian have to talk about in this conversation, um, because you're closer in, in time to, to your student days and, and you're in a um, similar situation in your career with the balance of jobs. Um, the thing I just wanted to make sure to introduce kind of in this part of the conversation is, that we, the guitar department, we, or in, including Larry in that equation, hired you three different times um, as a work-study student, then as an interim coordinator, and then formally in your position now. And I wanna just mention that and ask you what you remember about those three times, because I think it's also really instructive for other people who are thinking about this. And one is that the work study positions, people usually use them as kind of like, almost like a scholarship, right? Like you're paying your bills, you're, you're making sure that you can kind of find a job that maybe also lets you study or also lets you have some time to your, for your own projects. And in the office, that kind of happens because everyone who works for us has some time where they're at the desk and they can, you can bring your projects that you're working on. But then you also are interacting with faculty and interacting with students. And I remember the day you were hired because I wasn't involved in that process. It was like the former coordinators, Rob and Julia, right, that interviewed you. And you could talk about that in a minute. But I remember walking in with Larry Bayonne, who was the chair at the time, and I was the assistant chair. And um, Larry had just been giving me a hard time that somehow I had some connection to everybody we ran into on the street. And um, we walked in and Julia said, oh, meet Ben. He's our new student worker. And I said, oh, hey, Ben, where are you from? And you said, oh, you never know. It's this little town. And it turns out my mom is from the same town that you're from. And, uh, and we just started talking, right? And um, I think it's really interesting because like Julia had said, you're going to love this person. He's so proactive. He's super friendly. He's a great musician. He's really thoughtful. And the faculty instantly were like, who's this guy? You know, he's so on top of it. He must be, and everyone just kind of in their mind thought, well, if you can do that, like if you can be helpful, if you can be proactive, if you can just appear, you just appeared very centered and mature and professional. It gave everybody this sense, even before I think they may have gone and out of curiosity to hear your band, well, that must carry over into your work as a player. It must carry over into everything you're doing, 
right? And so you just became everybody's go-to person. You became like, oh, Ben is really responsible. Ben could do that. I'll, I'll, you know, if I need a staff member to come with me to something, why don't we send Ben? He's really great. And you just develop this reputation, I think, without really even knowing it that you were a reliable professional person. And I don't think people really kind of grasp that all the time about the power of that. You just, the way you did a work study job made us really remember you. And it also made us really curious to see if we were correct. Like this person who's so responsible and so professional in the office, I bet you his band is great. And I bet you they're on time and I bet you they're super professional. And that's why we started listening to you. Also, you were playing everywhere on campus, right? So we could <laughs> literally go listen to you. But that was in the back of all of our minds. And I'm sorry, we hired you four times because we hired you for guitar sessions next. And that's what happened. I don't know if anyone else here remembers that summer, but we had a flood of rock guitar players and we had a faculty member who couldn't do it and we were sitting around saying like who's the best person and we all said what about ben like would ben be available because of the way you interacted with other students we were watching you help people with their projects we just knew your demeanor and we knew your ability and we knew that you would be really great you would come to guitar sessions and ask a bunch of questions and learn how to teach that job we also knew you were teaching but it was really because of the way you were in the office that led us to to um hire you for sessions did was that were you aware of all of that or were you just kind of focused on doing your job uh, I, I this is the first time hearing about it <laughs> so thank you i'm flattered but um yeah no i mean i guess it's kind of like like how i said you know everything i went through as a student helped me be a better teacher you know being you know the, the leader of my band um and kind of you know being you know, quote unquote i guess the boss you know made me learn how to be a better worker because now i i know what i'm looking for in in players that work for me so it's like i know how to be a better employee for you know for you know, my boss my bosses um and uh it was just a matter of you know learning from from being on both sides of it and just trying to do do the job to the best of my ability I think that's important too, because sometimes in those jobs and in all of our first positions, you're doing things that aren't music related. You know, you're talking to people, you're fixing the copy machine, you're moving amps, you're, you know, but all of that actually, when you take it all together, it does impact your artistic life in a way. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, as far as art goes, I mean, you get inspiration from the, the regular things and, and that's, you know, kind of finding the balance of that. But um, I mean, I, I was I was just thrilled to be in the guitar department because I originally wanted to be in the guitar department to, to be a work study and there wasn't any positions open. And then at that point, I I had been working so much, you know, on, on ear training and all the core music classes that I, I got good enough where I was actually a core music tutor first um, for my junior year here. I was working there and then for the summers, I was a work study the guitar sessions week and then it was the beginning of my seventh semester uh the former coordinator here that told me um you know do you have a job on campus right now because we want to hire you and uh, it was a pay cut for me because the tutoring uh was more money but i'm like you know this is the guitar department this is my apartment i'm a guitar player i'm like so 
so I ended up talking to my my former uh, manager in the core music department, saying, "Look, I, I got an offer to go in the guitar department. I'm going to take it. You know, thanks for everything." And he was he was awesome about it. It's like, yeah, absolutely. So, and I mean, little did I know that you know doing that would would lead to to so many more opportunities. You know, right? Because it was the way you did that that mattered. Um, and I think you know you were teaching guitar sessions. You were working as a musician and then we had a crisis and our coordinator was going to be out for a short time we thought we weren't sure what the length was and um i remember we were talking about it and we thought we just need someone for a short amount of time who really understands how the guitar department works and we'll listen to students and we'll be able to advise and understands the curriculum and then we thought wow i wonder if ben would do it and in order to do it ultimately you had to give up teaching at guitar sessions, which is really challenging. I think in the beginning you didn't. And then, um, and then later you did. And, and um, the things I want you to talk about is that reality, like how you manage that. And then also, um, I just want people to know that you came in as a temporary person and then that, that need became permanent. So when we ran a search for that position, you had to formally apply and go through the whole steps and everything. And, and the strength of what you brought to the position made it a very easy choice for us to say like, oh yeah. So, and then at the same time, you're still in your band, you're still recording, you're making records, you're on the road. So, but in, in another way, you had to give up teaching at Berkeley in the summer program. So what did that trade-off feel like? Like what, what went through your mind in that time? I mean, at the very beginning, it was kind of like, I was kind of hesitant, like, ooh, you know, like I really love the, the teaching gig. And to be honest, at first I'm like, you know, would that make me appear as less of a musician, you know, if I do that? But, but then, I mean, that was only really brief because, you know, then the reality sets in, um, you know, of, you know, you're an artist, but then you also have to, you have to survive, <laughs> but um, what I'd wanted so much, you know, leading up to that point, you know, like I said, the, the first year after graduation, you know, I was I was lucky enough to be be teaching and, and gigging still, but you know, in between students, I, I was working shifts at, at a grocery store, and I remember every shift there, I'd be thinking to myself, like, I just want a job in my field, you know, I just want a job, you know, and um, you know, the fact that that the opportunity came up, I mean, it was like I said, a really really brief moment of me saying, you know, do I want to give up, you know, guitar sessions? And I was like, absolutely, I do. You know, <laughs> you know, this opportunity to, to, to be, uh, be working for the guitar department, you know, greatest music school in the world, you know, I'm biased, but it is, um, you know, it, it's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say no to that opportunity. And, and the fact that, that, you know, it's a, a full-time job in my field, it, it kind of almost, I could breathe more as a musician. It's like, all right, it's like, you know what? I have, I have, uh, you know, a gig that I've been wanting for a long time now, you know, even though it's not teaching music, it's still, it's still, you know, a music gig. And it's like, it gave me breathing room with my band. It's like, all right, it's now, you know, I don't have to take, you know, every single gig, you know, if, I don't have to pay, I don't have to play a four hour gig and get only a hundred bucks for it or something like that. So I can, I can be a little more, selective now I, I can be more um you know artistic rather than uh you know trying to just 
take every little thing to, to survive. Um, it gave me, kind of, again, gave me an advantage, I guess, as a performer. You know, I want to turn it over to Ian because I think what you said applies to all of us in this conversation, that we're always looking for balance between the job, parts of our job that are musical, but not the artistic parts. And um, we're trying to keep growing artistically as we keep learning how to do this job managing the guitar department together better and better and better. And um, Ian, I'm wondering what's on your mind right now with this and um, where you want to take the conversation next. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, Ben, like I relate so hard to so many aspects of your story. Like it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, first of all, you know, uh, uh, like really kind of struggling at Berkeley, but just like working really hard. Like I think a lot of people really relate to that. And it's like a theme that comes up so often that like, you know, I mean, you even said like, am I even going to try to be the best player? Like in a way it's like, you know, at Berkeley when people are playing so many different things, like what even is the best player, you know? Um, but like, you know, I remember uh, when I first got hired, like, first of all, the trajectory into where I am is the exact same. I mean, like, first of all, I was working a completely different, like when I was a student uh, at Berkeley, I was doing a landscaping job. Like <laughs> I, was I was working as a landscaper on Newberry Street, taking care of all the plants there. I would like run into, I'd like see other students and faculty members and I'd be like completely wet and covered in mud. And I'd have like, <laughs> like watering cans and it'd be like, oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> Professor, great, great to see you. And I'm like, you know, got like shears and like you know and and I actually I took a pay cut too to get a work study job and in the guitar department and it was like the coolest thing that ever happened to me because it was like you know you got in you're a guitar player it's like your home and it was like you know what it's it was 100% worth it you know um and then the same thing like I came back to do a temporary thing in guitar sessions. I don't know if y'all remember, but you know, uh, the other coordinator was going to be out just for guitar sessions. And I came back and I still had like long hair. I was like, still kind of grimy hippie guy. Uh, but you know, I came back and I worked just really temporarily in guitar sessions for like this thing that was just like doing temporary work. And I had been teaching, I had been doing gig work, like, like, I'm not talking about music gigs. I mean, like, being a gig worker, <laughs> in addition to like playing at night. And it was just like, really freaking hard, man. Like, <laughs> you know, feels like you got like three jobs, you're hustling. And, you know, on top of it, like, you know, financially completely unstable. Uh, and, you know, when this came around and it was like, I feel like now, like in a way, in this job, I'm actually finally starting to have some level of like artistic development that I never had the freedom to do, you know, because I never had the free time, you know, it was just like, you know, wake up super early to do one job, go to the next job, try to play at night or like hit a jam session up. And it's just like crazy. And, and I feel like now, like 
in this, like, you know, in this time, I actually feel now that I'm in my thirties, I'm figuring out what kind of music I like to play, you know? <laughs> you know, what's interesting. I just want to interject there is that we had the same conversation when we hired Ian for guitar sessions. It was like, we need somebody who knows this program, who's super creative and really organized, is just gonna get everything in shape. So you think of yourself as always oh, this like hippie, like bluegrass jazz player. And we, you know, and we're in the office like, get Ian, you know, make him come, you know, because you had like been after you, you had established yourself as just like the person that we wanna work with. And it was not surprising at all that all of those qualities were present in your playing. You know, and the crazy thing is like, Kim, there's like a question that you sort of bring up and like a point that you make that like, you never know what's gonna happen with one thing, right? And I remember when I was like a work study, you know, and I'm like, whatever, 25. And I'm, I got hired to do that job. And like the first thing I did was I, I was in like Rob's office and he's showing me how to do things. And it's like, it was just at the time, like a minimum wage job that was temporary as a student. Yet, like, you know, like Ben, the way you're talking about, like the way you do one thing is the way that you do everything. And it's like, I had this opportunity to talk to this um, person who uh, was in the position that I am now. And I had no idea. I didn't even have the like imagination to think, you know, that like that would even ever lead to anything. But, you know, you just have to like show up and and really pay attention and be present and do the hard work. And like you never know what like kind of things will will uh, sort of come your way if you really treat it like that. Right. I, I agree with that. I mean, I think you have to find the joy in everything and the art in everything. And what you both have said, which is something I know Cheryl agrees with me about is all of these things that some people would say, oh, that's unrelated to what I do musically is actually completely related because it's your interpersonal skills. It's your able to ability to budget your time and your finances. It's your ability to organize things. It's your ability to like solve problems. It's your ability to manage your emotions around what you like. There is no like, there is no dislike anymore. There's what you need to get done so that you can do this and what you can learn from one thing to take to another thing. And I don't, I think you have to come with a mindset. Some people call it a growth mindset, whatever you want to call it. But then it's like you develop this connection in all the parts of your life. And that's why I think both of you and I think all four of us have not be, become artistically stagnant be, just because there's other parts of our musical or teaching lives or administrative lives that have that need attention that we focus on professionally because we bring everything into everything. And we're trying to find a way. It's not like it's never out of balance, but it's not that kind of fear that people have. Well, you know, you do this job and then you never pick up a guitar again. I don't think when you're in this mindset, that's real. I think it only enhances your playing and your art and be, just becomes a different part of what you do. I mean, Ben, do you think that's been true for you so far? Absolutely. And, and, and frankly, you know, to be honest, 
you know, saying that, you know, I'm the coordinator of the guitar department at Berkeley College of Music, I, I feel like that that lends a lot to to my playing, you know, because not only it's like, well, you graduated there. It's like, wait, you work there. I mean, it, it, it uh, I really think it, it, it kind of one hand washes the other and it really shows, uh, shows, you know, the fans of my band that, all right, you know, Berkeley thinks you're good enough to hire then, then, uh, you know, it's, it's all, all it does is help. <laughs> well, I also, I think, you know, what everybody's saying or, or the reality of it is all these skills that you develop as a musician or in the arts, the discipline, are really about problem solving <laughs> and, and really learning about your limitations and all these things. And so many parts of our job, it's not a rigid environment. Something crazy happens every day, you know, so somebody comes in, it, it, it's it's always changing and we have to flow with it. You know, we can't have a rigid attitude of this is what we do. And I think you get that through learning about improvisation and, and, and listening about, all, you know, all kinds of different musics and how do you prepare, how do you put your practice time together and all that. I mean, so, you know, that's what Kim's saying is true. Like those, but you know, that's always what I say is the value of an arts education anyway, is it, it really teaches you those disciplines of problem solving and being fluid, not being rigid. And, you know, we have so many things. We have students from all over the world and we have big faculty of all styles and, and something new comes every day. Something new, a new person comes in our door every day that we need to help them, you know, guide them or, um, so I think that's, I think that's the key to all of it, you know? I want to pick up on that point because even though like in the forefront of all of our minds, like when we're deciding what gigs to take or what opportunities to accept, we're thinking sometimes about our, you know, financial security, about sort of like these immediate needs, but that isn't really the driver when you take a job like this. There's something about the fact that each of you, Ben and Ian, and each of all the four of us, we had a certain amount of adversity that we met. And there's something about us that wants to help other people with that experience. And I think the fact that both of you came, you're, you're now in a job where you're an advisor. Like a lot of your job is to advise people. And you had this experience where it was not easy for you to be a student in, on any level. You, you had to work really hard. You had to have jobs outside of school and manage your time in that way. You both were are very, you had a stylistic kind of thing that you wanted to do, but then you also really stretched yourselves and went into different musical influences as you came. So when students come to your offices, that's something you're all bringing to that job. And, and it seems like it's a part that really energizes you and motivates you both. Do you guys want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, you know, my, my experience, I, I went through so many different situations, you know, as a student that I feel like, you know, a lot of, a lot of the problems that uh, students would come to this department for, for guidance and for, for assistance, it's like, all right, you know, I've been there, <laughs> you know, let me, let me tell you what to do. It's really, it's, uh, it, it helps, it helps the process and it's not so much, 
it's not so much, uh, you know, maybe a student coming in and seeing someone that they think is just, you know, a person of power telling them what to do. It's more, much more relatable. Not only are we alumni, but, you know, we're, I think we're much more approachable um, than, than say if, if we didn't have, you know, experiences like that. Yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like, you know, it's, it's pretty, you know, easy, I think, for students to feel like in some way we're on their level, you know, and I think that that's like a really good resource to sort of, you know, and, and I also think, you know, from our backgrounds, you know, I think it's, it's pretty helpful, you know, and, you know, students come from all kinds of backgrounds. And I think that, you know, some folks are, are lucky, you know, like some folks really have like a lot of like, say like family support, um, sort of financial support. And I think that that's like awesome. Like if I had that, those kind of resources, like I would take that, you know, but you know, it just so happens that I didn't, you know, and I, I feel like it's, it would be difficult. I think it would be more difficult in some ways if you had a lot more of a leg up, you know, uh, to advise all students, you know, I think that there's something that I think that Ben was touching on that was really important that was like, you know, we have these conceptions about what a musician does or what arts education is. And, you know, I'm just like a creative butterfly in the wind. And, you know, I'm just like, you know, let the inspiration take you. And then, you know, all these things, but like, so often these conceptions are just dead wrong. You know, like Ben is not like this party animal rock star, you know, he's like, actually I'm staying Despite hydrated. Some rumors. <laughs> like I'm staying hydrated and I'm like, you know, it's like the way that you approach it is not this conception of like the, uh, you know, this rock star that people have. And I think that like breaking some of these conceptions about what it means to play music, what it means to go to a music school, that I'm just going to be some creative, like, you know, uh, genius person who just floats around on these great ideas and I'm just so talented. And it's like, actually, it's it's a lot of discipline and it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of like improvising like Cheryl was talking about. So I'm going to ask now the question that Ian always asks, because I want both of you to answer it. So, um, Ben, what is something that you feel like students should be asking you or asking us as a department team, maybe of leadership? What's something that they should be asking that they don't think to ask? Like what's something that you wish maybe when you were a younger student that you had thought to ask this question for this advice? That's, that's, a, that's a tough question to answer. Um, I don't know. Um, Cause I mean, I, like I said, I, I came in already, you know, I was a year older than everyone else because I, I, you know, taken a year to go to LA. So I, I already came with a clear goal in mind. Um, so might be, it's kind of hard for me to answer that. Um, because I mean, maybe I, that, I was at, that's good though. Yeah. Because maybe. I was at the point, I guess, I guess maybe I can turn this around to, to answer it. Cause I was at the point where, you know, that, that year that I spent in between, you know, going to LA and coming back and all that, I came in, I had a goal in, in mind. I knew what I wanted to accomplish and 
I think that I wasn't afraid to ask questions and that, you know, I, I would go to whatever source I could to get, to get my answer. Like, you know, I was going to my ear training teacher every week, you know, for extra help trying to get through that. And then, you know, if I, if I had an issue, I, I, I wasn't afraid to ask questions. I wasn't afraid to uh, try to seek out the answers that weren't apparent um, to the school. So I guess that's what, that's the one thing that, I guess that's not really quite answering uh, the way the question was phrased, but, um, you know, just, you know, go, go search out what you need to, to search out. Go, uh, don't be afraid to, to ask for help and, um, you know, just do what you need to do. <laughs> Bill Belichick, do your job. I love that. Uh, it is an answer to the question though, because when people come to you and they say they're having problems, maybe what they're not thinking to ask is, have I searched out answers by going to all these professors and telling them I need assistance and seeing what's available? Um, right, because, and, uh, I'm sorry. But, um, no, because I just wanted to say that you saw that as your job as a student, basically. When you say yeah, because, do your job, that's kind of what you meant, right? Right, because it, it's not high school anymore. You know, it's not like, you know, you don't have to be here. You're here because you want you, you want to be here. I mean, that, that's the, that's why, <laughs> you know, that, that's why I'm paying off all these student loans, you know? And um, it's because, you know, you want to be here and it's not like, you know, if you fail something, it's not like high school where, you know, well, well for me anyway, in high school, it's like, you know, if you f fail like a pre-calc, test it's not like all right well that's just because I, I need to, to be learning this class it's like no it's like this is what you want to do with your life you know if if you're if you can't do this uh this ear training and you can't do this uh you don't understand this mode or, or you know what anything like that it's like you got to figure it out and one of the best pieces of advice that i got uh here at berkeley was um my mat teacher my first semester said She's like, yeah, she's like, you know, she's like, everything that you're paying for here at Berkeley, she's like, you can learn in the real world. She's like, it might take you like 60 years to do it. You'll be at the end of your career by the time you figure it all out. She said, but you can go do that. She said, or you can stay here for four years and kind of, you know, have all the answers to, to, what, to what you need to do as a musician. And that, that kind of stuck with me, you know, and that's, I think that that's a big mindset to have coming, coming here. Who was that person? What's her name? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to investigate uh, that. Was, yeah, yeah. I need to... <laughs> Shout out to the Harmony Department. Yes. We'll get back uh, to everybody. Al Allison Lissance. Wonderful. Professor Allison Lissance. Um, Ian, what's your answer today? Well, I mean, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, I, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I think that, like, you know, my own experience was that like, you know, I really needed to ask for help because every time I couldn't do something, every time I felt like I was behind or I didn't know something, my only answer to myself would just be to like internalize it and be like, you need to go practice, which is good. But if you don't have like some of the wherewithals to understand really what you're doing, you don't really know what you're practicing. And that like, also, if you're having an issue with something, it might not be something that you realize. I mean, I, I guess that's why that question is such an important question. It, and, and a lot of uh, people that we've had on here have said it's not a one size fits all, you know? And I don't know, I remember having 
uh, a lesson with a with the teacher and I said, you know, my X is really bad. I really need to work on X. And they they looked at my playing and they were like, actually, it's your Y, you know, like actually it's this other thing that it's like, you know, you know, it's not just your time. It's that like the vocabulary itself, you know, you're hesitant on or something, you know, and it's causing your time to be bad. But, you know, my initial reaction would just be like, all right, I'm just going to do a lot of metronome stuff, you know, and, and it's like, it might be another issue. So I guess my, the thing that students need to do is just really take advantage of the resources that are there, and, you know, Cheryl, what's on your mind after all of this as we're kind of coming to an end of the hour? Well, yeah, it, I was just going to say about that topic, about the question. It, it is a great question to ask everybody. Um, but my feeling about it as the, as always forever being a student of music and, and teacher is I try, it, it's, sometimes people are afraid to ask a question, right? So, I mean, all of us here as, as giving advice or, or being given guidance is, is to create an environment where you feel safe to ask the question. And, and I think the important thing that students need to know about that is when you ask a question, you actually really help your teacher teach you better. Because <laughs> we can't read your, your minds, you know? And, and so that question for me as a teacher always helps me direct the curriculum and and the class so I always say when you ask those questions you help yourself you help your classmates and you really help your teachers teach you so ask yeah. lot, as many questions as you can <laughs> that is so true I, I also think about um, we had a speaker one time when I was in grad school, um, the former president Bill Clinton came to talk to grad students. And he said that a key for him had, had always been to think like, when you step out of the situation that you're in, whatever it is, you're, the time you're in this job or this gig or this school time, have you really thought about what you wanna take with you from every situation? that will help you become the person that you are meant to be in the next situation. And if you're thinking of it that way, then everything that it doesn't seem you're gonna take with you, you'll do your due diligence because that's your job. And everything else you can put your full self into because it's not about that situation, it's about you. And it's about building who you are because if you're, he said, if you're an artist or if you're a public servant or if you're a teacher, who you are is what you have. He didn't say it like that. That's how I summarize it. But I thought, well, that is such a positive way of looking at things because like Ben did and like Ann did and like Cheryl, you have done and, and I try to do, there can be something that you learn in every situation, even if the situation wasn't the most ideal. And you never know, it might be that situation that propels you into your next level of what you are meant to do that you really feel like. So I think this has been probably one of the most important conversations we've had so far, everyone, you know. Um, so I wanna say thank you. Thank you, Ben. Do you have any, um, do you have any final thoughts, Ben? Like advice that you have for students or, or things that you're thinking about that you see that we could develop together as a quartet in the department? Um, social media. <laughs> 
social media is the key now. Um, you know, I found uh, even pre-COVID, it, it seems like you know it was all headed this way. I mean, it's at least for you know for my generation, it's it's pretty apparent that um, I, I think you know social media is more important than gigging now. As much as I hate to admit it, um, you know, that's you reach more people that way. Um, I mean, now more than ever, you know, with the the COVID world we're in, but um, yeah. So follow us on our social media, Berkeley Guitar Department. Social media with substance. Exactly, quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ian, what are you, what's on your mind as we wrap up here? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a blast, you know, having Ben here and back and talking about like your story. It's good. I think it's good for students to hear it. Cheryl, any last thoughts from you? No, it was great. It was always, as always, a great conversation and gives us lots of things to be inspired with and and makes us all want to go practice more (laughs) and do our best all the time. (laughs) Yeah, so everybody, coffee cheers, go hydrate, do your job, and uh, keep asking questions. And we'll see you next time on Coffee Talk. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.